Genre. to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Return of the King one one minute at a time. I'm out of spider jokes. I'm Norman <laughs> Mitchell. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And joining us today is Brian Green from Theme Park This, first time guest on the show. Hi. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah, of course. You got some you got some good stuff to talk about today. Uh, oh, we're talking about yes. minute 146. Yeah, uh, Sam, th- this minute starts with Sam continuing his struggle against Shelob's mandibles yeah. and ends with Shelob readying her stinger as Sam starts to move out of the way. We get uh, we get some good good Sam fighting the big spider stuff today. Yeah, yeah this, is, uh, this is good. This, this is a tense scene. Yeah, this minute felt really long watching it back. Uh-huh. It, yeah. Just, there's a lot of action back and forth here. Uh, one of the things that I think is really cool about this scene, and I don't think I was, I'm conscious of stuff like this until it's pointed out to me, like it was in the commentary, but virtually all the shots of Shelob are done with a wide angle lens, mm. which just makes Shelob huh. look that much bigger. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's interesting. That's yeah, they just cool. want yeah. Shelob to look big. Yeah. Mission but there's some, yeah, it, 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 it was so important to sell the size of Shelob compared to the, the actor in the scene without it feeling like really hokey. And there's, there's one little tiny moment near the end of this minute that I think is one of the things that does the best job of that because of how good it looks. When Shelob's leg stomps down on the handle of Sting in the foreground in front of Sean Astin and then is picked back up, it's a very quick moment, but the leg that stomps down is probably the most realistic bit of Shelob animation in the whole scene with Shelob. Just that leg looks so real. Yeah. Like, uh... The foot. Like five seconds before the minute ends? Yeah. Okay. Like that foot oh, just yeah, looks that is good. so real. To the point where I don't know because they said that there's they built some Shelob animatronics, yeah, but they pretty much just went unused because they didn't look great in the scene. But that looks so that looks like it has real like definition to it in a way that a lot of the CGI of Shelob doesn't. I also think it works because it's like it's so close to the camera that it's blurry. Yeah, it's just a little blurry. Yeah. So I think, mm-hmm. and we only see it for not very long, like a split second. It definitely looks like it could have been something that's in camera. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, in the shot. Like, you know, it, I really would like to see the alternate universe where these movies were made earlier and these were done with all practical effects. Oh, like a decade sooner. Right. Like, have y'all watched uh, oh, uh, Prop Culture on Disney Plus? I haven't gotten around to that yet, no. Okay, so uh, for those of you who don't know, Prop Culture, they take old Disney movies and they go and they find uh, this guy goes and he he's a prop collector and he goes and hunting down like 
iconic props from movies. And this scene reminds me of the uh, uh, the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids episode because they they went and they found some of the puppets that they used for the ant in Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. And that's cool. I would love to see this scene done with stop motion ant puppetry. <laughs> oh man, Peter Jackson would have totally been down to do stop motion animatronics and puppetry and stuff because oh yeah, a lot of the a lot of stuff in these movies, the way he films the monstrous creatures is inspired by uh, like Clash of the Titans and stuff. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So he, he cites that as a, as a direct inspiration for him as a filmmaker in general. So I think he totally would be down to do stop motion puppetry stuff. He should do a D make and just replace <laughs> all the, uh, all, all the CG with uh, puppets. Uh, like filmed in a different stage so the filming of the puppet itself looks a little different and it's dropped in the way it yes. moves around uh-huh I haven't seen that old Clash of the Titans movie in so long but I just I have images in my brain of how out of place some of the stuff looks now yeah, like the clay monster yeah because the lighting looks different uh-huh. on the stop motion stuff than what's in the scene <laughs> Stuff like that's funny to me. I haven't seen that movie since high school. Yeah, I remember watching it in like AP English or something. Yeah. Your your I, English I, teacher was cooler than mine. I think I watched it for like there was a I there was a summer school class I took like because I had to get a history credit out of the way and literally all we did was watch movies. It was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like a world history class it's like okay we're here for the next six weeks let's just watch some movies and make some maps and i was like okay this is the best class i've ever taken <laughs> in, in college i took a class that was just called cold war in cinema see that sounds cool we watched a whole bunch hmm. of a whole bunch of stuff uh the original manchurian fun. candidate uh them we watched um a movie uh that has john goodman in it called matinee i don't know if either of you've seen that uh-huh. No, never uh, heard of it. Uh, it's John Goodman plays a guy that owns a movie theater, and it's it takes place like in the in the eighties, and it's about kids getting stuck inside of a uh, like a survival vault that the movie theater is giving away as a prize, and two kids like get stuck in it. And there's this subplot in the movie of like the monster movie they're showing at the theater is uh, a movie about a guy who slowly gets turned into an ant monster called Mant. <laughs> and all the, all the insert scenes that are clips from that movie are just so perfect. That's funny. They're so good. I really wish the Marvel superhero was named Mant instead of Ant-Man. Right? The Marvelous Mant. 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 <laughs> half man, half ant. <laughs> Man, I would absolutely watch that. Paul Rudd is man. <laughs> so good. Also, Michael Douglas as man. <laughs> like man prime. Yes. <laughs> but I, I guess we should we should talk about this minute. I guess whatever. <laughs> um, I like I like the way this fight is is put together with uh sam versus shelob the the only the only moment in this whole uh in this minute that i think 
breaks my immersion a little bit, not watching it all as it was intended to be watched, is when Sam stabs Shelob in the eye. Why? It doesn't feel like it has any real weight to it. Like, the sound effect is good. Mm-hmm. But it just, there's something about um, the way that Sean Astin moves because he didn't actually, like, stab anything to pull away from. Yeah. It doesn't quite look right to me. When I'm looking oh, you real broke this moment it. for me. Oh, Are you looking right. at it now? I, yes, yeah. I just have it playing in loop right now. And yeah, you're right. Oh. It's the it's the one moment that I think on, like, when you subject it to a bunch of scrutiny, it doesn't really work. I don't know that, like, the first time he stabs at her? Yeah, right in the eye, and he pulls back. Okay. But... When when the sword gets thrown, when he goes to stab her a second time, yeah. that works because Sean Astin has to flail and toss his sword. Right. Uh, also, right after he stabs Shelob, when he pulls back and we shift the the camera, the sword is in his other hand. <laughs> but you're right, there just doesn't seem to be any resistance when he does the stab. You're right about that. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things I noticed. Because, I mean, like, he doesn't pull back, he just, um, like, thrusts with the sword, and then the spider is the one that pulls back. You, you see him pull his arm back just a tiny bit as the scene cuts. Oh, I see. But it doesn't mm. it doesn't seem like there's any resistance to it going in or out. Yeah. Whatever. It's it's literally like a <laughs> fraction of a second. Yeah. And then the camera just cuts to a further out angle and the sword's in the other hand. That's funny. Jeez, Peter Jackson. God. Where was the continuity person that day? I mean, they probably just filmed that this insert shot of him standing there with the sword in his left hand after the stab, yeah. totally separate from doing a bunch of this other fight. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm wondering how that even happened, though, because, like, the actors on set, like, were practicing with their, like, prop swords. I mean, I don't think He just made it, might have forgotten which hand he stabbed Shelob in the face with. That's true. So does that mean that Sam's left-handed? Yeah, he, I'm pretty sure most of his sword swings are with his left hand. Like, he has Sting in his left hand. He has Sting in his right hand when we see the hero shot. Uh-huh. Which is Peter Jackson's hand, not Sean Astin's. Right. So maybe Sean Astin is left-handed. Maybe. I don't actually know. Because we do that, that like, hero reveal of Sting in Sam's hand. It's in his right hand. Yeah. Maybe he's just ambidextrous. And he's got the, the vial in his left hand. Hmm. And then once he starts fighting Shelob, when he picks... When why he picks... haven't we, Why haven't we like, paid attention to this in the past, you know, <laughs> 400 minutes or whatever of this trilogy? <laughs> Handedness is not one of those things I'm generally conscious of when it comes to a character, except for Link from Legend of Zelda. He's left-handed like your boy. Right. right. <laughs> well, like he used to be. Link's not left-handed yeah. anymore. Oh, I'm sorry. Rest in peace, Lefty Link. <laughs> Ever since the Wii. Well, I mean, it's like alternate timelines, right? So, like, maybe some of them are. And it's all, and yeah, they're usually different people in general. There are very few direct sequels with the same Link from a previous game. I see. It's all cycles of reincarnation between Zelda, Link, and Ganon. Um, but yeah, we get. We get all this Sam fighting the spider stuff. There's also a digital uh, digital double shot of Sam rolling over the back of Shelob when he falls off. Mm-hmm. I like the um, 
the Foley effect with the pans. Yeah. Every time we hear the pans, I have to point it out because right. this is so good. The Foley, they can't forget. It's on the guy. Yeah. It's, I, I wonder if it's just one person's job to make sure that that sound effect matches the scene. Just, you're the pots and pans guy. <laughs> I was the pan supervisor on Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Right. It'd be so cool to be a Foley person. Like, just slamming, like, random objects together in front of a microphone. Right. <laughs> the the iconic uh the iconic sound effect of thunder you're just like shaking a cookie sheet yeah <laughs> badass and there's a watering can just pouring on it while you're shaking it. i wonder if sam's ambidextrous because his um his uh it's not a holster what is it scabbard scabbard thank you <laughs> his knife holster um <laughs> is on his <laughs> is on his left yeah but that's for his sword, not Sting. Right. Because Sting's holster... So if it's on his Sting, left... Sting's sword holster is on Frodo. Right. So if it's on his left, he would be accessing it with his right hand. Right. Mm-hmm. But... I, but then when he makes an actual stab at Shelob, he uses his left hand. Yeah. The first real stab. That's really takes. interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Now I just want to go back and see which hand he's stirring the stew with and stuff. Oh, no, not even hand. that. Like, um, which one he's brandishing the... Does he have a sword at that point when he's, like, threatening Aragorn? No, he's got... Um, a pan, right? I think it's... it's. I don't remember now what he has. I think it's like a chair leg or something. Yeah. He's just brandishing something It's been him. too long since... It's, it's, a, it's a candlestick. It's like a candlestick. <laughs> You know, I'll I think you just need to reboot the podcast and just figure this out, you know, from the beginning. No, and thank just you. Make sure you're keeping this in mind. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll be back on for these minutes in like three years. Oh, it'll be more than that. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> I really want to go back and rewatch Fellowship though, when we're all done with this. Yeah, we should have a watch party. Yeah, I've said this I, I agree. We'll figure it out. Yeah, I like uh, I like this all this stuff with the with the fight. Sean Aston just getting tossed across this little cave, mm-hmm. this little this little cavern area, reaching for Sting again. And the the she love stepping on the sword is just another illustration of intelligence beyond simply a predator. Yeah, it's like oh no, I don't you can't. I don't think so, little guy. Yeah, give me that. <laughs> I love Sam. He's he's such a good guy. Right? He's doing all this just for his friend. I'm a Sam stan. It's hard not to be. <laughs> Although I guess there are people out there that don't particularly like book Sam. I Yeah, I understand that. But because he just seems kind of bumbly and dumb yeah. in places. And then he gets his his moment in the moment in the sun. In, the, in Return of the King, and people kind of come around. But there are people that don't appreciate Book Sam or the the presentation of Sam in the the Rankin-Bass movie. Have you read the hmm. books, Brian? I have not. Okay. It, yeah, it's, uh, it's never it's okay. never have gotten around to it. A lot my... of our guests who remember me, like, haven't read the book, so no worries. No judgment here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my... My dad tried uh, when I was a kid, like read me and my sister The Hobbit, mm-hmm. uh, like right before bed over the course of you know several weeks. But I would usually fall asleep before 
he was done, so I would I miss a lot. The Hobbit's a good read. Uh, it, it's quick, so uh-huh. it it takes like maybe a couple days in the afternoon to just get through that book. But uh, Lord Lord of the Rings itself is kind of a a daunting task. Yeah, it's much more dense. Yeah, right. But I don't really have any other any other notes for this minute. Um, well, we have a, like a first time guest, so I know yeah. we haven't had a first time guest on in a while. I know, but like, remember our protocol? So, like, what are what is your um experience uh with these movies? Uh, so, Mike's so I was in high school when these movies were coming out, and I I loved them. I I think I saw fellowship a couple times in theaters uh two towers at least one i know i saw it at least once i don't think i saw it multiple times and return of the king i think i saw f- at least five times in theaters uh it's been a uh, so i it's been a long time since i had seen any of these movies i think since college and until this week i had never seen the extended editions so it's i i really loved revisiting these films they're they're outstanding and i really do enjoy the extended editions i love the extra character building that we do get in them i was surprised watching them when i was like oh this isn't this like i was able to even though i haven't watched these movies in probably about 10 years i had been i was impressed that i was able to pick out things that like oh i don't think this was in the the original cut of the movie but yeah it's i i really really love revisiting these movies and uh, it's kind of a shame that I hadn't until hadn't until now. <laughs> well, I'm glad that we gave you the excuse to. Right. Yeah. No, to just you. crunch through 12 hours of movie. <laughs> just yeah. add it on to a week of your life. <laughs> well, I'm a I'm a teacher on summer vacation, you know, so I gotta gotta fill the day somehow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So I I think that does it for today Mm -hmm. thanks for joining us today brian yeah well thank you you Um, can uh you can get more of us and brian by going to duelinggenre.com where you can also find uh the backlog of our show and theme park this what is theme park this yeah why don't you tell our Uh, our listeners more about that yeah the theme park this is a uh, say bi-weekly podcast that's that's every two weeks i guess i should say i'm not sure which one's which uh uh so every two weeks we release a new episode where we are taking a a property a an ip book movie musician uh advertising mascot that is either not represented in theme parks or is underrepresented in theme parks and we build a theme park based on them so our most recent episode we took dc comics and we took uh you know because dc is in six flags but you know it's usually just a roller coaster with a batman logo slapped on it uh so we we made actual themed lands based on dc characters um so we release that every two weeks uh we also are on the dueling genre patreon uh where we uh we have rethemed this where we uh, where we take classic attractions and retheme them with new IP. We actually just did Splash Mountain. Uh, we came up with our own ideas for retheming Splash Mountain when uh, the Princess and the Frog uh, uh, ideas were coming around. And so we came up with our own ideas outside of Princess and the Frog. And then three days later, Disney was like, oh, hey, we're we're going to turn these into Princess and the Frog rides. Right. It's timely. Right. 
Yeah, we. Yeah, I'm glad we released that episode. We were talking about uh, doing something else, and then we're like, okay, we'll do uh, Splash Mountain next. I'm like, should we do Splash Mountain now? I think, I think we should probably move on this. And yeah, I'm glad it happened. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, I, I had no idea for like I knew what Splash Mountain was, but had no idea where the song on it came from for most of my life. <laughs> so many people don't. And the thing about Splash Mountain is that I think because the mountains are so iconic, I think people think that they have been around longer. The Splat Splash Mountain has been around longer than it has. Splash mm-hmm. Mountain's only been around since the eighties, like the late eighties. Yeah. Like, yeah. I saw a post start- about it. It's just like, yeah, the Splash Mountain didn't open until 89. And I was like, what? Yeah. And like Star Tours is older than Sp- Splash Mountain is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, that's it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's so weird. And I think that's, I, so I saw a tweet that pointed that out to me. And I think that really put it into perspective. Because uh, for me, like Splash Mountain, it, it had been around as long as I could remember. And I, I mm-hmm. loved it. But you know it's yeah it needed to be changed and it's i think people are you know stomping their feet and being grumpy about it and they just need to get over it <laughs> yeah I, I i mentioned i said this to Cassandra the other day there's i think there's only a handful of rides at disneyland that will never change but for the most part they're all fair game to be rethemed eventually yeah i don't think they're ever going to uh-huh. get rid of small I think it's that a small world, be- Pirates of the Caribbean, and Haunted Mansion. I think are the three, and Haunted Mansion of like Haunted Mansion gets its uh, you know reskin every every Halloween, Christmas with uh, Nightmare, and you know we could you know that's a conversation for a different day about whether that's a good thing or not. But uh, uh, beyond that, those rides are never those three rides are never going away. Then again, like people probably thought that of the Tower of Terror too, and they changed that. I mean, Tower of Terror in California was only around since the the early two thousands. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. It was a very it was a very hasty it was a very hasty addition to California Adventure because California Adventure was just desolate. There wasn't anything really in it, and people weren't going to it. So they added it. It was a lesser version of the Florida ride, and so it was not a classic attraction at that park. Like it was a attraction they added in and people loved because it gave them a reason to go there but you know it it was not it it's it had only been around since mid 2000s maybe a little over 10 years maybe by the time they rethemed it see i i, I didn't know that i thought that it was an older ride than that because yeah i went in is pretty i went old. in 2004 yeah i went in 2004 and they had just opened it uh when I went there, uh, it had been around since the the early '90s in in Florida, though. Because I I know that they've done like parody episodes, like episodes that draw from the Tower of Terror stuff for like Are You Afraid of the Dark and other shows like that on Nickelodeon. <laughs> right. Seeing as like a little kid, so I thought that ride was way older than that. Yeah, like I said, like Florida had been in the early '90s, so it's it's a pretty old ride. Like I remember, uh, for one of our other Patreon episodes, we talked about the Family Matters episode where they go to Walt Disney World, and I was looking at the date of the episode, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder if uh, Tower of Terror was open at this point when this episode aired." And lo and behold, moments later, we got all this B-roll footage of the ride and like all this promotional footage of the ride, and they went on it, of course. Uh, so yeah like it's it's family matters old if if we're you know 
putting a date to it, put into context. So yeah, um, go go check out Theme Park This. We, if you're I guess, into theme parks. Now that we've had I'm a little very passionate about theme parks, y'all, if you can't tell. <laughs> uh, and make sure to check out Patreon to get access to some of that extra content. You can go to duelinggenre.com slash support and for as little as a dollar a month get access to scott pilgrim versus the minute yeah, which, which brian also, also brian is <laughs> yes yes i uh, that you can hear my my nonsense and my uh me taking things off the rails every week over there <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow to talk about minute 147 bye bye, bye.